right, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Property Players Podcast. I'm your host, C. Muzan. Got a real special guest with me today. He's a guy that we got a chance to get connected on LinkedIn. Uh, He was doing some bigger things in the city of Philadelphia around entrepreneurship. But as we've been talking, it's been relevant that he is also in the real estate space. So I wanted to make sure that he got a chance to share his story and add some value to you guys out there in the community. So uh, without further ado, uh, Mr. McKenzie Alston, welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pleasure is mine, man. So again, we've, we've been connected for, for a few weeks now, but you know, on the podcast, I just like to jump straight in and uh, give me the origin story, man. Tell me who is McKinsey? Like, where do you come from? Start as early as you like to. If you want to go back to birth, if you can remember being out of the womb, you could start there or wherever is relevant. 1985. <laughs> 1985. So just a little bit about me. I uh, grew up right outside of Philadelphia uh, in New Jersey. And my family, my dad's from Philadelphia. Uh, His family is from North Philly. So just being able to kind of see both the suburban lifestyle but also being around Philadelphia, really understanding the different things that the city had to offer. I always say I got blessed with both worlds. You know, I got to kind of grow up in a suburb while also growing up in the city too to kind of understand the the ins and outs. So I always say uh, New Jersey raised Philly, or New Jersey-born Philly race. There we go. Dad kind of grew up in an entrepreneur household. My dad was an entrepreneur. Um, my dad built houses and was in construction. So at a young age, uh, just on roofs, on, on the summertime, as much as that sucks, uh, did a lot of demo <laughs> work. Yeah. That sucks as well, but my yeah. dad was adamant that, you know, growing up, I had a skill set that went outside of his education. If something ever happened, he wanted me to be able to go back on a roof or you know, do some carpentry or, or do demo work. Um, so that was when I first got my first taste of just the real estate game and, and everything that it had to offer. Um, and then I went into school. I ended up staying pretty local. Um, went to school at Rutgers Camden in New Jersey. Nice. I wanted to be close close to Philly, but didn't want to spend and pay the out-of-state tuition. <laughs> so I, uh, I stayed in New Jersey. I um, got close enough to the city that I could and, and graduated with a degree in marketing. Um, and, and didn't actually do anything in marketing. I um, ended up uh, doing an internship as a financial advisor. So close to your heart. Yeah. Uh, Lynch in DC. So I spent a summer down there, um, studied at the University of Maryland. Why I did it, it was, was interesting. I thought that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, but realizing, as you probably know, it's not like the Wolf of Wall Street. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> the opposite, actually. So I realized. The opposite. That yeah. is not an accurate depiction of what really happens. Yeah, I was yeah, I was expecting to have like parties and fun. I'm like, this is gonna be great, like see Ferrari, and I was like, none of that was happening. None of it. A lot of cold a lot of cold calling. Um so I ended up going back to my senior year and not really knowing what I was gonna do. Gotcha. Um, and then I uh, met a guy randomly at a career fair for Target and okay. started my career with the Target Corporation. I really just spent eight years there mm. learning a lot about not only myself but leadership. I think yeah, that's where I, I got the most value um, of how to handle people. Yeah. Um, regardless of the industry that you're in, people are always going to be the reason you're successful or you fail. Yeah. But at, at the same time, as a leader, it's really important that that you make sure you're making adjustments. Absolutely. Um, and I, I kind of been able to translate that into customer service as well, which has helped me in the real estate game. So did that. Kind of jumped around a little bit in HR, did some consulting, and then um, about a year ago, I I jumped into to real estate as a real estate agent, 
Nice. Uh, rental agent, real estate agent. Uh, when I brought my first house, you know, I had like the first time home buyer experience where I, I had a great agent, but you know, having the other side of the agent, not knowing kind of the dark of the seller agent and just not hearing everything and the communication, it was a little bit of a nerve wracking process. Like, what's this and why am I finding this away? And like, right. had to really deep into my personal life around my lender and like, why do you keep asking for the same forms like every 45 or 60 days? Like, sure. I'm a responsible adult. Like, I don't, like, I don't understand why you keep asking for the same stuff. So I just, I got, I was in that process and I realized like, it's got to be a better way to make sure that the buyer, when they're going through that process, is educated enough to feel comfortable in the decisions that they're making. So I decided to go and get my license. Nice. Take this a step back. Take me way back. Right sure. back in, in high school and you're growing up in an entrepreneurial household, was the thought always go to college? Was that always going to be the move? Was that always the next step? Did you ever think about at like in those senior years or those moments, right? When you're thinking about college, you ever think about just going to be in business with dad or what were your thoughts there? Yeah, so I didn't because one reason was the side of the business that I saw the most of my dad was being on the roof and doing all the construction. <laughs> And I was like, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. But I got to see the client, the client piece of it with my dad and how he navigated conversations with his clients, getting them to spend, spend a lot of more when you're, you're dealing with homes that are um, older homes and they're restoring them. The cost is going to be a lot more. So because of what my dad did, a lot of restoration work, they're big projects that would last six or seven months. Sure. So I got to be around a lot of the high-end clients that are CEOs of pharmaceutical companies and doctors. So just that clientele and interacting with both, I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. But I also thought college might be a good way for me to figure out what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, entrepreneurial, something that I always thought about doing, but I didn't, I didn't have that like book knowledge yet, I guess. And my, my parents really thought it was important for me to get that knowledge. The one thing I will say, though, is when it came to, to me picking a school, my, my dad and my mom were very adamant that, you know, listen, you're going to go into school and you have a school here that's going to give you some money to go there. Mm. But you also have a school that you really want to go to that you're going to spend and you're going to pay to go to. And the message I got was you can choose whatever one you want, but one's going to leave you in a ton of debt and the other one's not So make a make a wise decision. We'll, we'll guide you and help you. But at the same time, like your debt won't become our debt. So <laughs> I, was very, I was very mindful of that. Yeah. And that's why I ended up going to record scamming. Um, it just made more sense. And like I said, I didn't, I didn't owe a lot when I graduated. Sure. Uh, I was blessed to get some, some scholarships and grants and stuff. So that's good. I, figured I, I tried on the budget. That's right. That's right. It's the way you should do it, right? Go on, and you know, we could go on a rant all day about this college and student loan debt and all that type of stuff. Um, but we won't because this is property players. So we're not going to go there. Uh, but as you're going through that journey, so now that I understand that side of it now, as, as you're going through the journey in school, were you ever exposed to people in real estate? Were you ever exposed to the industry from like, you know, people jumping in as investors or agents or anything like that? Or was it really just about school during that time? Um, so I was, my dad has always, always owned properties. Um, so I was able to kind of see the headaches of the, some of that stuff and kind of partners with family and, and kind of how those deals can go bad and kind of got to see the ugly side of 
some of that investment. Because because your dad was in like he was investing actively in real estate. Yeah. So long, long time ago, my great great grandfather was huge on two things. He was huge on buying land because mm-hmm. he said they're not going to make any more land, and he was huge on having insurance. So spending the money to insure whatever you whatever you own. So. Because of that, my dad and my family had a lot of just land throughout different areas. And my dad built on some, got rid of some. But for the most part, growing up, he carried the burden of carrying a lot of the taxes and, and the different things that come with owning a lot of property. Okay. Uh, so I got to kind of see that side of it. At the time, I really didn't know anything about it. I just was like, oh, my uncle's not doing that or my dad now owns this property and my uncle owned it but now my dad owns so I didn't know anything about it I didn't understand it I just thought it was cool that my dad had property and didn't really think anything of it that's important though and I think to take a break there and to talk to the listeners and people that are in the community right now like just understanding how much that does actually influence your child's decision to get involved in a certain industry is because they've seen it Right. So what you're saying right now, Mackenzie, is is the fact that you saw it happening. You saw you were aware of your father, grandfather talking about real estate, talking about land. You might not have comprehended everything, right? The whole picture of what they were trying to do, whether it was a legacy play or just con- you know continuing to build wealth for the family, whatever it was, you didn't see it, but you you were aware to know that there was something about this real estate thing that you know, my, my, my dad, my grandfather really cared about. And I think that gives people the, I don't know, I don't want to say a head start, but it really does give people the ability to, as a kid, start to understand that there's other ways to build wealth, to not just go to school, get good grades, get a job, and then continue to work that job, that there are other ways to bring in streams of income. I think the fact that you got a chance to see that early in life, it's actually helped you and maybe one of the reasons that you've been involved in the real estate process. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. I think it, it gave me insight into like a world where you can have passive income, but you also don't want to over leverage yourself. So you want to make sure that if you're going to have property, you're, you're thinking of things like the taxes and stuff that come with it. Um, you're thinking about if you have rental properties, like evictions and making sure that you're on top of that and vacancy. So like that part about it, I, under, I understood. And I think you know, seeing that was like, why are you always fixing this house? And it was like, well, you have to keep up with it because people live in it. So you can't rent it if, if it's not up to code and, and things like that. So yeah, I would say unbeknownst to myself that I definitely believe it was a, a strong foundation. And now when I'm, I'm in it working with my dad and certain investment properties as well, mm-hmm. I think seeing it now from my angle now with all the real estate knowledge I have all those conversations that he was having with me as a, as a kid and I was growing up and I didn't understand it. But now I look back and I go, Oh, that's what he meant. Like, yeah. 10 years from now that it's going to be worth this much and you can sell it. I'm like, why do you just get rid of this land? It's just, you're just paying for it. Right. It's like 10 years from now, somebody's going to build on it and it'll be worth money. That's so it's key. like the patient game in real estate. I think I learned at an early age and that's wow. been able to help me now. That's so, that's so important because that's what most people lack in the game right now. They lack patience. They think everything's going to happen quickly. Everything's going to be a flip. Everything's going to you know make their money right away. And that's not the game. That's not the game. Nah, not even close. <laughs> not even close. Good, man. So, so now you, you're, you're out of college. You, you said you jumped on board with Target. 
right after college, right? Or during that time, then take me through that transition period of target into real estate or you had a couple stops before then or how did it go from after college into real estate? Yeah, so I've had four stops before I get into real estate. Target was, you know, I graduated in 2008. So Target was eight years of my life right out. I think I got into that, that position. I had a lot of responsibilities, was learning a lot about not only myself, but learning a lot about people and, and understanding how that you not only have to be accountable for your actions, but you are accountable for your team's actions as well, even when you're not there. So I think I, I grew up there just learning about you know people, but also how hard you have to work to be successful. Mm. Um, so I had some success there, was promoted through the ranks, different stores, different positions, got, you know, travel around. They paid for my master's. Um, they paid for me to go and get, you know, additional education in, in HR. Yeah. Um, so I took advantage of the opportunity. I always knew there was, I wanted to be on my own, but I wasn't hundred percent sure like what that looked like yet. Sure. Because it was like, okay, I, I am experiencing a lot of great things. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until that, that relationship ended up not working out as well for me. Um, and I decided to go to something different that I really realized, you know, how hard it is to always work for somebody else. And then at a blank, if they don't like the color of your shoe or something, you no longer had that, that security that you once had. Um, so I got to experience, you know, being able to do my thing and be the way that I am yeah. and be who I am um, with a blanketed protection of the political protection because I never really got into it because I just wasn't interested in it because to me it's a waste of time. And, but I always had someone that I worked for that was really political and just made sure that I, I didn't have to compromise my like willingness to not do it. Sure. They just took care of me uh, for it. And so I didn't have that. I really realized like, oh my God, all right. so now I'm out and there's a balance that I need to figure out or how, to, how do I navigate that? Sure. Um, so I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I think from there on, real estate was the thing that always made the most sense to me the passive income, um, stocks and bonds, but then real estate and just to your point, the long game, mm-hmm. finding a way to acquire properties and then sitting on them. But in order to acquire properties, I need to, you need to continue to work to make the money to be able to, to do that. Absolutely. So um, I think that was, that was a learning. So as I was transitioning um, out of Target, my, my goal was always to get into real estate, mm-hmm. but it was as an investor, it wasn't as, a, as an agent. Right. First and foremost. It makes sense. And, you know, you said the the book that I think about the most when it comes to uh, transitioning into entrepreneurship or even into real estate, and that's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Robert Kiyosaki always says that uh, we've gotten all of our uh, financial information, all the financial information that we need has come from the game of Monopoly, right? Yeah. <laughs> Four greenhouses equals one red hotel. That's just the way it goes. And so if you take that formula, and that's what Robert Kiyosaki says, you continue to take that formula over time, you'll continue to build wealth. And I think it's something that I think a lot of people are catching on now because you're seeing the boom of real estate from an agent side, from an investor side, uh, a lot of people going out and, and starting to learn more about it. What was your curve, like your learning curve, when you decided like, hey, I think I'm, I'm going to become an agent or I'm going to get my license, what was your learning curve? Did you, have to, did you have to study a bunch? Did you go see a mentor? Like, what was your process? Yeah, so I actually took a class. You know, I, I felt like 
to become an agent, I guess a little backtrack. So I wanted to be an investor, but I didn't, didn't know enough about real estate, the expertise of it. Mm-hmm. And I've always been and will always be a, a believer of on-the-job training, things that you can learn by doing. And I, I really felt like that was super important. So that's why I initially went and got my license. And to get your license in Philadelphia, you have to study um, a certain amount of hours. It's like 60 hours. Mm-hmm. And they give you this huge book. And you have to take a test and you have to learn and you have to t- pass the class and you have to go and take the test, the national test and the state test. So just my philosophy was I'm going to learn as much as I can book wise and then take that and get a mentor and the brokers that I decided to join has to be somewhere where I can like talk to and, and learn from the brokers. I don't want to learn from a team leader and none of that nonsense. Like I want to learn from the person and the people that responsible for building this brokerage because I felt like that was going to help me grow significantly. So I was going to take my hustle that I was born with and the work ethic that I got from my family, added some book smarts from learning from you know the real estate book, and then link up with a great brokerage where I can learn underneath the brokers of the firm that I was working for. And that's where I went to Copper Hill Real Estate, where they have three great brokers and they're hands-on, they have mentor sessions. And it's a lot of what we're doing right now where they're, you're trying new things and they're giving you feedback, but also challenging you and asking questions. They're not telling you how to do stuff, but they're asking enough questions where they're forcing you to think differently on a regular basis. And to have access to that is is great. I mean, to combine that 20 years of experience. So there's nothing they haven't seen. So I always have a resource that I can text or call or just go talk to. And that's really helped my learning curve. But yeah, the first couple of deals I did were super scary. The first tour I did was like an absolute nightmare. Tell us about um, it. Give me give me some war stories of the first couple of deals of you trying to figure this thing out. Yeah. The, so the first tour I ever gave was to a group of uh, three. There was three girls and they were moving to Maniunk. And I was like, all right, how hard can it be? So I go in, not prepared at all. Like I'm thinking like, oh, I was going to show them the house. Like it can't yeah. be that difficult. So I get in, I'm trying to show them around, and there's this girl that's there that's not living there. Doesn't It's not even from Philly. She, she opens a notebook with like 35 questions. I might have answered like two of them. <laughs> I, I was like, who? I'm like, some of the questions she was asking, like, didn't even, like, I was like, who even thinks about that? And she's like, she's like the width of the steps, like, how many, how hard do you think it's going to be to get a bed around this, this space and like, what's the measurement of this the railing and i'm like i don't like i don't know like, that <laughs> i just remember like after that dramatic like hour i mean it just, i just kept i felt like i was getting kicked in the face the entire time like it was <laughs> sure for me it was really bad so i called my broker i'm like so you're probably gonna get a call and this i think this is another thing i learned because you're in a employee mindset so mm. i'm like you're probably gonna get a call about how terrible my service was and i don't know anything about real estate and, and I'm like, I'm, you're probably going to want to get rid of me because this experience was God awful. And they didn't end up taking the house. And I'm like, and pretty much the service was terrible. And he just laughed and he was like, you got to remember two things. One, there's going to be a lot of times that you don't know questions. And some people are just going to ask stuff that like is irrelevant. Just yeah. tell them you don't know and tell, you'll get back to them. Like, that's okay. It's normal. And he's like, the second thing you need to learn is you're not an employee. Like you don't work for me. You work yeah. for yourself. So you being unprepared. And not having what you need to have ready to go only makes you look bad. It doesn't make me look doesn't bad. Doesn't make look, me look bad at all. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm the broker. Like that's I'm Kim. You're you're Mackenzie. Like yeah. You're with me. It just is bad for your brand. 
So I think that like I learned two really good lessons there. Is like one, every time I'm out there, I'm representing myself and who I am as a as a person, but also as a leader and an agent. And the second thing I, I recognize is like just being prepared and like making sure you're you're walking the area before your tours and making sure that you have the information that you have available and just having that ready to go, even if you don't need it, just having it ready to go. Um, so I think it was that was really rough for me just because I was a fish out of water. And typically when you're in situations like that, you have experience. So your experience can get you through it. Well, I didn't have any experience. So yeah. I just tried to do what I thought made sense. But that's the game though, right? Like that's yeah. the game. That's what gets you better. And and you know this being a professional, but like it's through the failures that we learn. It's through the times when we're unprepared that we'll never be unprepared again. Right? I try to teach this to some of my you know, agents that I have working with me in, in financial services, I try to teach them the same thing. They're always wondering like, you know, how to overcome a certain objection or that they need to know everything going out there. I'm like, listen, there's going to be plenty of times that you may be unprepared. You may not know that answer. You may not be at that level yet, but it doesn't mean that one, you can't just say like, I'm not sure. And then I'll get back to you and you still may keep that client. Or secondly, right. Again, the thing that people underestimate is is just the fact that they are a human being just like everyone else. And so from you're going to make mistakes, you're going to not know certain things, then it's just about, are you learning from that? And then are you prepared the next time? I always used to tell people that there was a lot of times I didn't know questions or answers to certain questions. But once I got asked that question across the kitchen table with a person, I never forgot the answer ever again, because I was now more prepared for whatever situation I was putting myself in. And so that's what you have. And that's what obviously you've learned from situations like that, but you got to put yourself out there in order to learn from it. Right. Yeah, man. I think that's, that was important for me. Like that mindset and really developing as a, as a leader and as a person, um, and really making sure that I was, I was doing the things that I needed to do to, to get to that next level. Absolutely. Absolutely. So taking it a step back, McKenzie, take it a step back. How do you find a good broker? How do you find, because you said you found a good broker after you got the book smarts and you learned a little bit. You said, I want to go work for a good broker. How do you find a good broker and what qualities were were you looking for? Yeah, I think uh, first thing I did was I really looked at my network and saw if I could get any recommendations from somebody that was already in the field Um, and just met with some people, had some coffee with a couple of different brokers. And I would say that I think just going out and meeting brokers and, and seeing which ones you vibe with are, are really important. So for me, I had a list of what I really wanted to work with. I had experience um, and someone that was going to take the time to mentor me um, and either, um, really take the time to say, hey, let's try this and let me run with it. And they give me that feedback and, and kind of support me. And I think those were the two things that I really needed you know, the most. So that was my criteria going in. Another thing that I learned was I'm not interviewing for them to interview me any longer. I'm interviewing them. So it's not about, you know, as a, as an agent, it's not about do they fit you as much as it's about how do you fit into your needs into what they have to offer. So I think that was a little bit of a different, again, different swing than normal. Normally you're getting interviewed as a corporate person or interviewed as an employee and they're picking you apart. And it's like, I smile because I'm like, this is the one time for me to pick somebody else apart. Yeah. So 
going into each meeting, I knew about, you know, the rematches and Carl Williams and Berkshire Hathaways and some of those shops. But I also, I met with the brokers. I just really looked at who could I gel with and who is most aligned with what I want to do as a person. Um, and that's why I ended up going with Copper Hill. That's important. How, how important though is the name, right? And there's some debate out there that there's not really, you know, there's nothing in, in a name, but like if you were giving advice to a newer agent or somebody that's just getting into the field, would you recommend they go with the, you know, the Keller Williams, the Remax, the Berkshires, those first to look at them or really just go about the personality of the broker if it fits like what they're looking for? Yes, yeah, so I actually had to do consulting and coaching on the side as well. Um, and that, one of my clients that I was working with as a coaching, she coaching her out of her profession and into real estate. Um, so it's actually a real life example where she asked me that same question. And, and my response to her was, don't go in with a bias at all. The name in my mind doesn't really matter because then the day it's going to be your hustle and, and what you do that's going to determine your success. So you have to go in with things that matter the most to you. And if it's a big name, then go do the big name shops. I mean, that's, if that's important to you, then, then go after that day because it was going to be a brand that I was going to build around myself. And whoever the, the broker was, it's just someone that had, holds the sign um, and has the license. But at the end of the day, when, they, when people see Mackenzie Austin, they're not thinking of you know, Copper Hill. They're thinking of Mackenzie Austin, the real estate agent. Um, and that's what I explained to her. And she went through a couple of different companies, some smaller, some bigger. Uh, ended up going with one of the smaller Keller Williams teams where she had a team leader. Um, she's in DC. But for her, it came down to that team leader made her feel the most comfortable that she, that they were going to really challenge her, but also give her the support that she needed. And to this day, it's, it's been really good for her. Um, and, but again, that was important to her was the name and then that support of a team leader. Uh, and she's got both of those. But I think it really depends on the person. Yeah, definitely. I would agree with you, man. It depends on the person. Uh, for me, and you know, if if I come across people that are newer agents or just getting into the field, I always tell them it doesn't matter if if you just find someone that can teach you the right way. That's really all it, all that matters in my eyes is can you find people that understand the industry and will teach you the right way? You know, I know you looked for a broker because that makes sense, right? You want to go to the guy, the top dog that's there, but even the ones that if you just have a strong agent team and people are willing to help because sometimes that doesn't happen in real estate either, right? Where people aren't really willing willing to help you. But if you have some people around you that are willing to help, that's the most important thing because our personal brand is what's going to last over time. Keller Williams and, and, and Century 21 and Remax and all them, like they're their own brand. And one day they're going to have to figure out, right, they're probably going to do their own thing with their brand and it's going to kind of weed out some of the agents. So I would always tell an agent, a newer agent, just make sure that you are building your own personal brand and then getting in a brokerage where they can teach you the things that you need to know. And then you need to be able to run with it. But I think you hit the nail on the head again, when you said most people probably look at it like an employee because they're employee minded, trying to jump into entrepreneurship or, you know, a self-employed venture of being in real estate and they're not looking at it the same way. So they really think of that brokerage like the job and it's not. Exactly. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think the one thing that sold me on Copper Hill because I met with uh, two of the brokers out of the three. Um, you know, one of them talked about just what you just said. He said, "Listen, like you're going to come in here, and we're going to help you out, and we're going to our goal is to help you win, and we'll give you leads, and we'll work with you, and your first couple of deals, we'll hold, we'll hold your hand a little bit to make sure the paperwork's solid, so you don't get yourself in any trouble." But he was like, "The thing you're going to have to figure it out for the first time, especially as an agent, is how do you." market yourself how do you network enough and how do you level your circle that you currently have on a consistent basis to get business and i think for me was when i realized like i'm like all right well I, of course my circle knows what i'm doing and he's like you'll be surprised he's like there's going to be somebody on your t- on, that you're really good friends with that's going to sell their house and buy their house and it's not going to use you <laughs> when you ask them why they're going to say they forgot Never you were in real estate yeah yeah exactly and that happened to me um, yeah. where one of the girls and I've known her my whole entire life. She's probably one of my, my closest friends. She, she was like, I didn't know. I forgot you were even in real estate. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you need to get your message out there more. And I think that was feedback to me. Like I'm, you should know you. I literally talk to you all the time. She's just like, yeah, but like, you just, you're not out there enough. Like didn't come, you didn't pop up. Like I don't see you on the gram. I don't see you on Facebook. <laughs> like I was like. Uh, and I, I, it was funny because I just couldn't get over it, but I was like, she's right though. Like true. I, I, at that point in time, I hadn't been, I didn't have a newsletter. I didn't have a website. I did a little bit on Instagram, but not enough. So like there was definitely some, some keys and some things that I learned just in that interaction from her of how to pick up and, and how to kind of brand myself because I hadn't, and I yeah. thought it would just be people knowing what I'm doing, but it's like this whole other like machine that I've learned how to build, which is good. At the, at the end of the day, it's really, it really just comes down to people aren't thinking about you. <laughs> like we, yeah. think we're, we think we're more important than we are a lot of times. Exactly. So we just assume <laughs> that like, like you've seen me post 10 times about this, of course, right? You're thinking about me, but that's not the way yeah. it works. Like people have like real problems and like real issues and like real family life and like all types of stuff. So when it comes time to for them to make that buying decision or selling decision, whatever it's going to be, it's literally just about who was in their mind at that time. It's exactly. Not, it's never. It's never about like, oh, well, I know I'm just going to go with this guy for, for when I sell my home. It's literally like, hey, I got 80 things to do, and then this just popped up. So who's the first person I think of when it comes to selling my house? And that's what marketing is. I just had this conversation with a couple people about the difference, you know, between sales and marketing, and even on LinkedIn, where where you and I met, um, or officially kind of met and talked. Even there, I had a conversation with a guy in the comments and he was talking about, I think I had post, I don't remember if it was my post or someone else's post, but basically he was saying that he doesn't, oh, it was my post because I posted on LinkedIn that like for my real, my realtor friends, all the realtors that, that I know, it doesn't make sense to just keep posting your listings over and over and over again on LinkedIn specifically because people aren't looking for that on LinkedIn necessarily. You don't just go there as a platform and just, you know, want to just, you know, throw out your listings that you have. And he commented and he said something like, no matter where, what platform I'm on, I'm going to show my listings because I don't know whether people are in the mood for buying or in the, you know, market for buying or whatever the case is. And I had to let him know that there was a difference between sales and marketing because he also made a comment in there where he said something like, I don't, I don't think that if I post 
the article of like the five things to do to buy a home, I don't think if I post that article, I'm going to get sales. And I was like, you're 100% right. Those articles are not meant for you to just get sales. Those articles are meant for you to brand yourself and position yourself as the expert in your field because not everyone's in the market to buy a home right now or sell their home right now. However, when they are in the market, who's the first person that they're going to think of? They're not going to think of the guy that just keeps putting his listings up because you're not adding any value. You have to constantly add value to people so that they know who you are so that when it is time for them to make that buying decision, they're going to think about you as the expert. But I think a lot of realtors miss, miss the mark with that one. And uh, it's a branding play. Yeah, no, and I, that's 100% correct. Um, you know, one of the things I've been doing is I created a newsletter. I sent out the first Friday of every month. And every newsletter is about a different area that I've lived in, in the city. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of stuff. There's things to do, my take on the area. The connection to my family, myself, and my wife, that personal element, some of our favorite restaurants and bars and things we go to, and then activities in the neighborhood. But also I have a section there about the prices of apartments and the prices of, of sales. So like the two bedroom, two bath apartment price for a sale versus you know the apartment price for a rental and three bedroom, three baths and vice versa. And I actually just closed one of my neighbors using that same newsletter she was like i saw the newsletter and i saw the the math that you were doing but then i then she started she's like oh i saw your letter like let me ask you about the rental i saw that in there like is there a really big difference and that that conversation led into me explaining to her sitting down there having coffee explaining how much she's going to spend renting per year versus what that looks like in a mortgage and the thought of and for her what resonated was the thought of her spending 40 grand to rent for the year and have her rent be as much as her mortgage would be. She's like, that doesn't make any sense to me. She's like, so you're telling me if I put 3% down and I, and I kind of manage my budget the right way, I'm going to end up spending the same exact dollar amount that I would, except I'm going to be able to do what I want with it. And if I want to rent one of the rooms out to bring in that income, I'm like, exactly. Now you just took something that's going to be you know, 1700 a month for you to live in so you can live by yourself. Now you can buy something. And then if, a year down the road, if you want to have someone move into your, your house as that extra roommate, now you're, you're instead of paying seventeen, you're going to spend maybe seven hundred, maybe eight hundred. And you do that for four or five years, you're pretty much having you're somebody's paying half your mortgage every year. Wouldn't you rather be a landlord than being a renter paying somebody else's you know landlord bill their mortgage? And for her, again, that doesn't resonate with everybody, yeah. but for her, that resonated like oh, I didn't think about it that way. I'd much rather buy. And then she decided to buy instead of rent. She was a client of mine, either rental client or buying client. And my goal is always when I meet with people like that one-on-one to sit down and give them knowledge around what the market does and and what their options are. At the end of the day, it's their choice. But what I felt when I started and the reason why I got into it was I want to make sure I provide them with all the tools to make the best decision for them in that point in time. So sure. if it was for her to rent, then it made the most sense. Then that's what I expected her to do. And just, for her at that time, she's like, I have some extra money. I just got a good bonus. It makes more sense for me to buy right now because I can afford it. I can do it. And I'm budgeted to do it. Let's do that instead. So again, I think that's a, a service to your point is I'm out there providing that knowledge. But at the end of the day, my goal is to make sure that anybody that is following me or working with me or talking to me is getting just educated so that they don't feel uncomfortable making whatever decision it is that they want to make. 
they make the best decision for themselves without having to ask somebody for like insight. Have your own mind, make your own decision. Absolutely. It's so smart, man. It's, and it's such a good point to make sure that you know that you have to give value up front. Have you found that to be a challenge in the early stages of you being an agent, just the credibility piece or, you know, not having, cause there's obviously we know there's people that are tenured in, in real estate, you know, 12, 15, 20 years in the game. Did you get any pushback or what, what was kind of your experience with, you know, being about a year in the game? Yeah, I've gotten some pushback. Um, you know, the question of how do you know, or you haven't really been in, in it as much and, you know, one of the things I always tell people is, listen, just like any other profession, just because you have 20 years doesn't mean you know what you're doing. You could have 20 years of crappy experience 20 times over. <laughs> doesn't mean that you're much any any better. The thing that I always try to explain to people as well, though, and, and kind of how I have the pushback there is I'm also an investor in my own right. Like mm-hmm. I'm in the process of getting my butt kicked doing a refurb in North Philly. You know, <laughs> I just had to do my first eviction in West Philly where they destroyed the kitchen and destroyed the bathrooms and not to rip both those out and you know I'm, I'm in the process of looking to buy a duplex and try to get that funded so i think where I, where I lack in some experience i make up in just the experience of being in their shoes sure. being in the shoes of an investor and having to deal with finding the money to close the 20 percent down or having to evict somebody or having to do a refurb and and all the things i didn't think about when i jumped into it like oh yeah i can get this at a deal didn't realize I was going to have to fix the roof. Didn't realize I was going to rip all the plumbing out. Didn't realize I was going to knock down the kitchen wall and redo the electric. Didn't realize I was going to like, those are things that I learned that you can't, those are experiences as an agent. When I have an investor, I can give them firsthand where someone that might have 20 years of an agent experience mm-hmm. has never been an investor, but then they're going to go out and try to sell to an investor, but don't really understand what, what an investor goes through. So in my mind, who's less experienced? The person with the 20 that's never been an investor or me with one year, but I'm I'm an investor going through the grind of it. So I kind of leveraged that to my advantage. Um, And then the same thing where I spent a lot of my time focused on rental friends. That's just super fun. Most people where I like them Um, and first time home buyers. Again, I was a renter for a really long time. Didn't believe in buying. And I wasn't educated enough to know the two years ago. What was that like? Well, I remember how that felt. So being able to put myself in the shoes of somebody else gives me the credibility of their view because I've been through it versus the credibility of the number of years of experience as an agent. That's important, man. That's good that, that you could see that that separation because it's true. People could be in the in industry for 20, 30 years and not be good. <laughs> they can still not be good at what they <laughs> do. It's, exactly. very, it's very real. To that point, would, would you say that for people that are newer getting started, do you think it's smarter to start as an investor or you think it's smarter to just start as an agent? Like, what's your take on that? That's a good question. I think it depends on one, your financials. Like, what is that? What if you have the sure. financial stability to be able to just jump right in and blow your money and trust somebody else? Then, yeah, maybe that's a smart move. But on the flip side to your point, if, you re- if investing is all you want to do, then you can get the book knowledge without becoming an agent. Right. So I think it really depends on the, on the person. I, I remember when I first took my, my class, the guy that taught my class said, if you want to be a real estate investor, taking this class is going to be a waste of time. And in my mindset, it was Asian is another stream of income that I didn't have before. So whether I'm doing sales or rentals, maybe I close seven, 10, 13 deals a year. Maybe five of those are rentals and the rest are sales or vice versa. 
that's still income that pays for the memberships. Also, know a lot more about the industry. So for me, I saw it as again back to my original platform of being, wanting to be in it to learn to be able to drive my outside business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that made more sense. I think it depends on the person. Yeah. Um, I think it depends on you know what they want to do and and really what their focus is. I think it's going to be made a little different for everybody. Yeah. I guess it just depends on on the person. Got it. What's what's your long term goal as as we get wrapped up here on this one? What's your long term goal in real estate? What are you looking to do? You have something that you're trying to achieve in real estate, or uh, is it just always going to be like a side thing for you? Nah, I mean my goal is goal is to be a mogul. There we go. And I want to my my long term goal is I want to own a hundred rentals throughout the city, and then I want to leverage that into you know just more opportunity to to teach people how to be self-sufficient. I don't know that there's enough people out there teaching people how to be uh, employed or or build enough streams of income. So I would love to just the rental game going, do my, do my thing, come in, own a hundred properties, and then kind of fits that into helping other people build their own sufficiency, whether that's through career learning or getting them on the job experience but really just kind of giving back. So real estate moguls slash seed spot, as you know, um, <laughs> helping people kind of grow and do the things that they need to do. That's right, man. It's so important. It's so important. The, the work that you're doing is, is, is super important to get people to the next level, specifically because this is property players on the real estate side of things. People just don't understand how, how important having real estate as a part of your portfolio is. Again, something that I teach I haven't pushed as much into it as some people in the actual real estate space because I, coming from a financial space, I think more of the equity, business ownership, paper assets first to start to start your financial life and then jumping into other investments such as real estate. But still, I think it's so it's so needed out there for us as a community and just our generation of people. We just need to continue to learn how to build multiple streams of income, like you said, how to be self-sufficient and self-sustaining. And real estate is one of the best ways to be able to do that. So as we kind of close it up, for the people that are just about to get started in real estate, McKinsey, give them like, I don't know, give them two or three tips that like for somebody that's just ready to get started, what should they be thinking about or what should they go do? Three tips. Yeah, I would say tip number one would be keep an open mind. Just stay focused on not knowing what you don't know. So keep an open mind, keep exploring, keep challenging yourself. You're never going to know everything, but there's somebody out there that does know something that you're missing. So mm. open mind to network, open mind to read, open mind to connect like like we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just keep an open mind to do things that you haven't done before because the only way you're going to be successful is to do things you haven't done before. That's the whole point of becoming you know, an agent. You're, you're on your own. So you're going to have to figure out how to, how to survive there. So I would say that first one is just really keeping an open mind. Um, the second thing I would say is understanding that you're now a brand, like your personal brand is going to be so important and just having an understanding that everything you do, the clients that you meet, the what you post, the the insight that you do uh, provides you your value that you provide. You're the brand. So copying off of another agent or to your point earlier, copying off someone that just posts their listing, that's maybe that works for that person, but don't it's not don't copycat, kind of find your own thing. It's your brand at the end of the day, you're the one that has to live or die by it. 
nobody else is going to be the one that kind of makes adjustments and pivots. So really your personal brand is, is so key and, and making sure that you're authentic and it, it's, it's who you are and what you want to do. And the last part I would say would just, my last advice would be have fun. It's, it's a grind, lots and lots of paperwork <laughs> sometimes, a lot of, lot of no's, a lot of yeses, but throughout the whole experience, the fact that you're getting into it on your own talks a lot about you as a person, as an individual. You obviously are doing it for a reason, so enjoy it. Like, and, and remember why you got into it and make sure you don't lose sight of that. There's a lot of nights where I'm like, oh, this sucks. Oh, I have no clients right now. <laughs> but then I go back to that. I got into it, you know, to build a portfolio, to help other people down the road. That's my, that's my why in it. So that, that's fun to me. So remembering that, but then going back to the number two step is like, all right, well, my personal brand, what am I not, what am I missing in that brand? And then I go from that brand piece to that first step that I gave you, which is what don't I know? Like, who should I be talking to? Who should I be asking? So those three things really go hand in hand in my mind. So one, keep, keep the mind to your personal brand and then three, have fun. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. For all you listeners out there, hopefully you guys wrote that down or picked it up because those are some quality nuggets for anybody that's getting started or about to get started into real estate. Keeping that open mind is everything. That was your first point, but that's just huge. Just the fact that we, we are open to connecting with one another without knowing each other, just off of a message and taking that somewhere. Um, that's how you build your network. And for anyone, not just in real estate, but we'll keep it there. But honestly, it's really for everyone that just runs a business in general, being open to just continue learning, continuing to be a student, continuing to network, shake hands, and really just talk to people around the, the topic that you're passionate about will get you to that place of success. So that's awesome. McKinsey, tell everybody where they can find you, where you are uh, normally residing in social land. Yeah, so uh, I spread it out a little bit, but uh, Mackenzie Austin is my handle for Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So it's at Mackenzie, M-C-K-I-N-S-E-Y-A-L-S-T-O-N. And then my real estate website is MackenzieAustin.org. Again, keeping it nice and simple, one platform all the way through. So MackenzieAustin.org, you can go to, you can link up to my blog my social media handles, everything is in one place. So uh, those are those are your four options to connect with me. Awesome. Make sure you guys go out there and connect with McKenzie. He's obviously doing some, some great things. He wants to provide value. He wants to help. So reach out to him uh, because we are the type of people that will continue to build our networks and build our net worth on that, on just by building relationships with other people. So Kinsey, I appreciate you, man, jumping on the podcast. Cool. Thank you. It was a pleasure having you on and hopefully we get a chance to chat soon. All right. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. So until next week, guys, we're signing off of the Property Players Podcast. Again, I'm C. Muzan. I'll talk to you guys soon. 